Acts chapter 3, when in doubt, what do I preach out of? Acts chapter 3, right? You know me well enough. Before I do anything else, Presley Joe. it's the first time she gets to hear her G-pop today. So there you go, live. So there you go. And Presley Joe's taking up the back row back there. So that's an exciting day for us, probably not for her, but it is for me, right? Acts chapter 3, one day, if you're in the NIV, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let me pray. Lord, help us right now to wring out everything we need to out of this next few minutes. Remove what doesn't need to be here. Add in what needs to be. But Lord, I'm so thankful that I stand up front today knowing that this does not depend on me. It depends on your spirit drawing men and women of all ages, young and old, to you. You're the only one that can change people. You're the only one that can transform people. So we only stand here today because we are convinced of that. So, Lord, use this time for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. The crippled man asks for an alm, and he gets a cure. The man was only asking for money to buy bread, but he received the power to earn his own bread. You may have come this, just this day, like I say often here, and you're different than you were when you came last week, right? You were different people because life has happened to us. But you may have come here today just wanting to get enough, get, get enough to get through the next week. But God has so much in store for you. And God may be just whispering, if you only knew what I had in store for you. If you would just trust me. But Ali's already said, it's hard, right? It's hard. This man was expecting something. But what made this one day different? Ethos. 
A spontaneous reoccurring pattern that is, that is the fundamental character or spirit that defines a person or a group. It's what drives them. It is the underlying conviction that determines the beliefs, values, and worldview of a person and or a community. It has the capacity to influence and shape everything in our lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit, it's what makes us contagious. The fire in the belly where you become the fragrance and aroma for the kingdom's sake. Our destination of uncommon is this. Rare, irreplaceable, useful, uncommon. If you're going on a trip, ultimately we want to know where we're going, right? Well, it is Jesus on, in this sense. Always, every time, no exceptions. And if we're not doing that, if we make the destination something else, if you see us making the destination something else, you need to call us out. It's always pointing to Jesus. And I think all of us, if we really begin to think about our spiritual lives, we would love, if we were want to live in the fullness of Christ, we would want this spontaneous reoccurring pattern that we didn't even have to think about it because it poured out of us. The church of the Nazarene, we call that entire sanctification. But I don't want to confuse that today. We talked about that and walk in front, but it is Christ-likeness. But I want to make sure you understand, now we are weeks into this, we are concluding this part of it today, that we don't think that uncommon is the way. There's only one the way. And if you get confused about anything else, just study, study the way. <laughs> Figure out what the way is doing. Don't let me ever confuse what the way is is but I do know enough and we know enough in the world we live in today is that there's a lot of clutter and a lot of noise and a lot of things going on that we get confused and we don't even know where to start and we don't even know how to work our way through it so one comment is a way to help us to the way that's all it is we just hope it's helpful So what I want to share with you today is, is, again, new to some of you, refresh for some of you, is five traits over my lifetime of watching people. Because if I, if I sit down with you today and I ask you, name the five most, the greatest sermons you've ever heard in your life, right? Tell me the most impactful messages you ever heard, and you might struggle. Like I said, I can't even remember what I preached two weeks ago except we're in the Uncommon series, and I think it was about Sweat, Laugh, Cry, Dream. I remember that. So I know how quick you forget it, right? <laughs> I get that. But if I ask you to list the top five most influential people in your life, then all of a sudden it's the... You might have a hard time narrowing it down. And then ask the question, tell me what the traits are out of those people that impacted you or you wish you strive for, not because you're trying to put them in the place of Jesus. It's just you saw Jesus in them. And they actually lived it out. And, you, and it, it affirmed your faith and it gave, you, it gave you courage to go, maybe, just maybe, maybe, maybe I can do that someday. I don't have it now. 
but it's possible. So the five, we'll start here. First one is integrity. The Bible is somewhat quiet on the this, this specific term integrity, but there are a handful of proverbs and, and other mentions of integrity in, in certain translations that kind of give you a feel for it. And, you know, when you, when you see a word that's used for integrity, then you see various places it was used to describe something. And two of the places that I love when I, when I, when I, when I look at the term integrity is boiled well is one of them. Boiled well, think about that. When you, if you want to get rid of impurities, what do you do? You boil something. The other one is blossom. Now think about that. When you begin to live a life of integrity, maybe that's when you begin to see the blossoming of the fruits of the, the fruit of the Spirit. Where before, as we talked about weeks ago in Walk in Front, being saved is awesome. No question about it. But we can still be extremely self-centered and saved. <laughs> right? I, I'm looking at some of you here. I'm, I'm just telling you. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. Actually, I'm looking in the mirror. And you don't really care that you move anywhere from being selfish. But sanctified or the call to holiness, or Christ-likeness. You still have issues, but you desire not to be. The great coach and orator Dennis Green said about the Chicago Bears, they are who we thought they were. Anybody remember that statement years ago? No, some of you were not born. I get it. <laughs> are we who we say we are? Because the whole concept of uncommon is not the thought that you can't influence somebody if you're just kind of meandering through your Christian life. The whole thought behind uncommon is to maximize your influence for the kingdom, to live to your fullest potential. And one of those is, am I who I say I am? Am I living out what I say I believe? You've heard me, seen me use this illustration a hundred times. I know I'm going to probably go out of the camera, but some of you have seen it. You know, this chair right here, I am glad this chair is a chair of integrity, right? All four, all four legs, right? Because three won't work real well. The only way that it's a chair of integrity is all four legs work. All of it. It's, I mean, when you get into math, and I am no mathematician, but I think integer is whole, complete. Integrity. Question I have for you, is if a certain person saw you in a different situation, whether with your buddies or with your supporter, if they saw you in a different circumstance or different situation, would they be negatively surprised? The 
Because the reality is in the world we live in today, it's almost expected that you live two lives. Especially in the church. You live this one, you kind of live somewhere, and then there's sometimes you just go, yeah, I, I forgot all about that. And it almost is normal. And when I look at integrity, they're really two sides of the same coin. And you say, well, how can they, if it's whole, how can there be two? Glad you asked. We can be people who are whole and sound and also still becoming whole and sound. I am transformed, and I realize I'm being transformed. I haven't arrived. It takes as much grace to continue to be transformed as it was to get saved. It takes, as much gra- it takes as much grace to do all this and change. It takes that much grace to continue to grow, as, as you well know, as we continue to go and up this ladder. I mean, it's narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower. And God just keeps going. And he calls us to do things we never could have done. It's partial. You can't give God half your heart and expect him to make, him whole, make you whole, right? right. He, he ain't going to do it. Right. Bad grammar, good preaching, right? <laughs> we are the type of people who have been living. We want to be the type of people. We want to be people of great influence for Christ to be the type of people who are living into what we have been shown but realize we are not a finished work and it keeps us humble. It keeps us hungry. And know that God continues to renovate us. Sometimes in big ways, sometimes in small ways. But the road to integrity will cost you. But it's the only road that will get you where you ultimately want to be. Second one, favor. A life unexplainable apart from Christ. A life unexplainable apart from Christ. Let's go back to this passage of Scripture. Look at us, Peter says. When I was in high school, they did these cheers, and you know, you've heard me say these before, but it wasn't Peter going, hey, look at us. We are the disciples, mighty, mighty disciples. Everywhere you go, people want to know who we are, so we tell. We don't do that. That's not what he's saying. It's like somebody grabbing your face, going, look at me. Stop it. Stop being distracted. Stop talking. Stop. Look at us. I need you to get, I've got something that's about to change your life. Stop. Being distracted. He said the man gazed at them. He paid attention. Now pay, the reason why we say pay attention, it costs something, right? 
my focus when I yelled at you, hey, can you give me some gold or silver? When I yelled at you, my attention was, I just need something for today. But when he gazed back at them and he paid attention, all of a sudden he had openness to hear something because it, it means he had to put what his intention was down. Set it aside. It was real, right? It was real. He was hungry. But when he gazed at them, and I think the phrase here, as I understand it, the phrase gaze here as he looked at them wasn't just like, okay, dude, you got another message for me? No, it's gaze like he looked into their face. He looked into their eyes. He looked into their character. He looked at who they were. Because reality is, right, he's been carried there for 40 years every day, it sounds like. I don't know if every day for 40 years, but he's been crippled since birth, been carried there every day. People have been grabbing his hands a long time. But on this one day, what was different about this one day? Maybe, the, maybe he had heard about them. Maybe he had heard about all the things that had gone on. But here's the reality, right? He says he's there every day. How many times do you think Jesus walked by him and didn't heal him? Now, I'm not saying that you think less of Jesus. I hope you understand that. <laughs> but they're taking on a mission that Jesus didn't even do. Let me say this. If you're going to say, look at us, you need to be living in such a way that warrants that statement. And you normally won't get a warning when it's coming. Side note, air conditioner's out in our bedroom. I'm sleeping in another room. Jan's sleeping in the living room with the two, our two older granddaughters. This is Friday night. So I'm sleeping in a different room. Three o'clock in the morning, Jan comes in. The police are outside our house here. Get up, get up, get up. I jump out of bed, thinking I'm in the other room, and I run into the corner into a chair <laughs> <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. That has nothing to do with this, but I want you to know, you don't know when it's coming sometimes, right? You're, woke, you're awakened from a deep sleep. You kind of need to know where you are. <laughs> What I was going to say, call the police. She goes, but they're here. I don't know. Anyway. anyway. Rachel Scott, many of you know Rachel Scott. Story we've shared here often, but it's way bigger than anything we've ever shared. Columbine, April 20, 1999. And it really started what, unfortunately, we've seen over the last 22 decades of the Columbine High School where 12 students were murdered and a teacher, 13, and then, of course, the other two committed suicide. But Rachel Scott was one of them, headed witness to the two killers. But one of the stories I got from her dad, it was around 2001 when I had a chance to meet him and talk to him, but he was telling about a story of Rachel one night was driving, she was, I don't know if she worked somewhere or whatever, and pouring down rain in Denver and uh, by the way, just let me I better finish up. She's one of the first ones that they killed outside the school and asked her if she still, she had witnessed to them and asked, do you still believe in God? And she said yes, and they killed her. 
So that's basically her last words. But step back a little bit. Just a week or two before that, she is driving home, and this DJ in Denver had pulled over to the side of the road because he had a flat tire. And he was mad and cussing, pouring down rain. He was, said he was just outside, didn't know how, he didn't have an umbrella, didn't have a flashlight, didn't have anything. And he's just out there trying to figure out. She pulls, come to find out, pulls in behind him. Her headlight's on, has an umbrella, and has a flashlight, and gets out and helps him, at least covering him while he changed the tire. And he's still all upset. I can't believe this happened to me. And just all this kind of stuff. And he said she was just wonderful. At the time, he didn't, obviously, I'm finding the story out later. Daryl Scott, her dad's finding the story out later. But at the time, he said, as he's noticing this girl, she, she's different. She's just different. She's just happy and she's talking and she just. And as she goes to get in the car, she goes to get in the car. Uh, and, and he's still yelling, he's still kind of upset, and she just looked at him, turned back, and said, Hey, mister, lighten up and give God a chance. Well, when he saw that she was the one, one of the ones murdered at Columbine, he came to her funeral and gave his life to Christ. Now, many of you will know there's a, the book, Rachel's Tears. You can go look it up. I Am Not Ashamed. I think 2016 is the movie when it came out about Rachel. But often you don't get a chance to know that it's coming. And you don't know what ripple you've left. It's the reason why every day to pay attention, even from our standpoint, pay attention. What's that opportunity? What's that chance? What's that that I may, by God's compassion and grace and giving myself enough margin to stop and help somebody with a flat tire? What is that? At the ripple of my life, because I have favor, my life is unexplainable. I'm not saying mine is. I'm just saying if I'm living that way. Mark Batterson says this in his book, Circle Maker. God's favor enables you to stand before those who would naturally stand in opposition to you, but they supernaturally step aside or stand behind you. He said, I crave God's favor. Because at the end of the day, people are not as concerned about our buildings and our awesome projector we have now and all of our lights and our great music. We got AC, right? It's starting to be important now. I think what they're more concerned about is do we look like Jesus? And I don't think they need to see a hundred, which would be awesome if we had a hundred people who look like Jesus that we all knew. It just need to be one. Just one. The third thing is trust. It's more than simply being able to tell the truth or I trust you with my money or I trust you with my wife. I trust you. I trust you. No, trust comes... When you live a life of consistency of character. But also knowing where you're headed and that what you're doing has a great purpose. I I, I tend to not, not necessarily not trust, but hang out with people who are just meandering. (laughs) 
And you've heard me say a hundred times, right? I'll minister to anyone, even meanders for sure, or the worst of the criminals. But I choose my influencers very, very carefully. And I need to know the difference between the two. Because I'll minister to anybody. But when it comes to you having impact on them, do they trust you? Do they trust you with your brokenness? I love John Eldridge's from his wild at heart. I love this statement. It's until we are broken, our life will be self-centered, self-reliant. Our strength will be our own. So as long as you think you're really, you really are something in yourself, what will you need God for? I don't trust a man who hasn't suffered. I don't trust a man. I don't let a man get close to me who hasn't faced his wound. At 2 a.m., I don't want cliches. I don't want deep, soulful. I want deep, soulful truth that only comes when a man has walked the road I've been talking about. The wound has given in a place of your of your strength as an effort to take you out. It's out of your brokenness you discover what you have to offer the community. Do I trust your brokenness? Do I trust you've dealt with your brokenness? Because how you handle yourself is how you'll handle me. I'm going to say that again. I just made that up. I'm going to say it again. I'll remember it. (laughs) Or I heard it somewhere. How you handle yourself at some point is how you'll handle me. Do I trust your motives? People have to trust your motives. You don't love people because of what you can get out of them, of what they can give you or not give you. You love people because of who you are in Christ. Based nothing on them. I mean, you're not, that's not devaluing them. That's just actually giving you an opportunity to love them freely. They can curse you, they can slander you, they can spit on you, but they can't keep you from loving them. And when people trust your motives, do you feel that over the last decade, last few years in our culture, having a hard time trusting motives? I trust your courage. Do you really believe in all this you're saying? Are you willing to take risk? Are you willing to step out? Are you that kind of person? I mean, you think about it. We look at this this passage of Scripture today, and we see a crippled man by faith grabbing another man's hand and getting up and walking. But I do want to just point out how much faith did it take for Peter to say what he said? I mean, John may be sitting there going, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we do have a good reputation now, but yeah, and I know we saw Jesus put the mud thing on, and I, I, on the, I, I get that. But if this doesn't work, but when you're secure in who you are because of the growth that's happening in you, you know who you, who's your, who whom you belong to, who you are in him, you're willing to take some risks just in case it doesn't work. It's okay. 
because I would rather make mistakes just following fully after Jesus and sit on the side trying to hold on to that talent. I think I could go scripture on a sermon there. I really do. If the first step of faith does not happen, the second one cannot. If we're not careful, I want to talk to boomers just a little bit. If we're not careful, God's blessings cause us to protect more. The more we have, the less we're willing to risk. Our reputation, our job, our finances, our family, our peers, our popularity. And the less I'm willing to risk, there's a possibility the less I'm willing to possibly know God. This Christian walk does not make sense unless you're totally sold out to it. I'm just telling parents, let me just refresh a little bit. What you're living out in front of your children, grown or in the home, if you're not totally committed to this, and God will figure all that, the reason why we do uncommon is to help you figure out what that looks like. It's to help you clear the clutter or make music of the noise or whatever the right phrase is. That's the reason why we're doing what we're doing, so you can kind of have to figure that out and not stand on the sideline because you don't know how to get there. And we don't have it perfected by no means, but let me say this to you, though. Do not treat this faith like a good option, like a good sidebar. It's a good thing to have just in case. Please don't do that. Quit claiming it. Okay, I know I said it. I just came out. But just say to them, you know, guys, I'm not sure I'm going to totally commit. It's kind of like I got, I got a contractor right now. I don't want to get in too much into this, where we are right now. But I, people right now, there's, there's definitely less quality in construction right now, I'm just saying, in various places. Just tell me it's going to be poor quality, and I'll pay you a poor quality salary. But don't ask for a high quality and give me a... Anyway, my point is, and I don't know what it was, but I'm coming back here. <laughs> Parents, I think you're better off saying to your kids, we're really not that committed to this. And I hope and pray the best I understand that somewhere along the way, you'll be able to, God will work through you and get you there to whatever it's supposed to be. But for us, we're really not sure. Instead of saying you are and treating it as a good option. I know it's not a popular statement. I know it's not. Fourth thing is believe they can. This is one of my favorites. Ah, I love this. I'm not saying they will. Just believe they can. 
Jesus, with his disciples, believed they could. He didn't see them the way they were. He saw them the way they could be. Let me tell you, the most persuasive person that should be in my life is the person that I am convinced always has my best interest at heart. And people that believe in me. I mean, years of youth ministry, the way we did it was nose to nose and an arm around their neck. That's just a simple phrase. We're going to look you right here between the eyes and we're going to, we're going to be straight with you because we see the potential. And you're not on our watch going to walk away not being challenged to live into your potential. You might on somebody else's watch, it even could be your family, but on our watch, this is what we're doing. And we're going to try to help lead you to a head-on collision with Jesus Christ. Not just a brush up against the shoulder, not just a, hey, a casual, but I mean a head-on collision <coughs> under our watch because we believe in you. The reason I love our the- one Part of the reason I love our theology is we believe it's for everybody. It's everybody. That means I can walk through and pay attention in the world every day and look, I can look anywhere I want to and say, God has a plan for you. Instead of saying, God, well, you may or may not. You can work that out in your theology. I used to tell kids, I don't really care what you think of me at 16. It's what you think of me at 36 I'm most concerned about. I'm not here to be your friend. God has put me as an office in your life, and I take that office very seriously, and we're going to figure out how to get you where you need to get to. If you don't want to do it, that's your own fault. Start to say something else. See, when people around you know that you're a person of integrity again, they trust you, that not necessarily your life is unexplainable, that has to work its way out, but you're trying to do those other things. When those are there and they believe that they believe that you believe in them, I mean, because when you put God in a box, think about this. When you put God in a box, or you put a person in a box, let me go back. You put a person in a box? Go, there's no way. You just put God in a box. You put the person in a box. You put the power and the faith and the, and the working of the Holy Spirit in a box. And all I got to do is walk back through Scripture. I see the lady at the well. I see those disciples. I see him knocking Paul off his horse. If you've been there and you've believed in people, and no, you didn't just talk them into following Jesus. You saw the power of the Spirit come bring them face-to-face with who they are by some of the tools you brought to the table. Great. And you see them be transformed. You'll be like Paul and them. What, what, got Paul, I mean, Peter, excuse me. what happened to Peter and John after they healed this man? They got thrown in jail. And after they got brought before the council and they told them not to go talk about Jesus anymore, what did they say? In, I think it's Acts 4.20. We can't help but tell about what we've seen and heard. We shouldn't keep this to ourselves, just so you know. We really shouldn't. Empty seats matter. Believe that God can. And the last one is finish strong. 
We don't need more starters. We need finishers. There are people starting stuff all the time. Diets, workouts, budgets, spiritual disciplines. But what I have watched, and I've watched sports all my life, most don't talk about what somebody did in the first and second quarter. And sometimes maybe the third, but what they talk about is crunch time. And what happens in crunch time is you don't elevate, you fall. You don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your discipline. You fall to who you are. You don't all of a sudden decide, hey, I got courage. Hey, I'm a really good free throw shooter, even though I haven't shot any in a week, in two weeks, three weeks. Hey, I'm th-. no, you don't. You fall to your training. You fall to your discipline. You fall to the core of who you are. That's what happens. You don't rise to the occasion. One of the reasons we can finish well. I watch my parents finish well. It's just great to watch them finish well. I'm not saying they were out doing evangelists, but just their faith in God was still as real today as it was, as it was years when I first understood they had faith. It was so real. Laying in that bed in hospice, it still was just as real. If you're leaving a job, finish well, man. Leave a mark going, man, I wish he didn't. And I don't wait to start. Don't, don't become a person of integrity the last two weeks, which is always good to start. <laughs> Hope you've been that all along. Okay. But man alive, I've worked in enough places, Texas, Alumax, the short timers, just trying to get out of there with the little they have to do. Anybody ever been there? Everybody, anybody ever worked with people like that? No. You're going to know you're going to miss me. There's going to be a void when I leave. <laughs> I know that's cocky and arrogant. It's not meant to be that way. It's just saying, you got my best. It's time to move on. question for many this morning is this are there people that need you to have faith in an all powerful God to take the step of faith because your step of faith because you don't take it theirs may not be able to happen I mean, have you ever really thought about that? That the decisions I make potentially have an impact on other people's decisions or whether or not they ever, 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 ever know Jesus. Not, not even live into some what, just know Jesus. Because I've, we've talked about it over and over. It does not seem like a good plan to leave us here to be the plan. <laughs> Jesus should have had a better plan. But we are the plan. We're the conduit. What if your boldness today is someone else's one day tomorrow? To live into the fullness where the ethos of Christ is a spontaneous reoccurring pattern that you don't have to think about except when he begins to 
hone a little something else that he needs to take the edge taken off and he starts going okay I need you to trust me here and you go okay I got to think about that every time because now I'm getting to there but some of those other things you don't have to worry about anymore right because they're dealt with they're done because they're always going to be a part of you let me tell you who else you need another part of that is is hanging out with people who are trying to do the same thing 2 Timothy 2, 20-22. In every house there are things of noble purposes and ignoble. Get rid of the ignoble. Get rid of the dishonorable. To be made an instrument useful to the master. Useful to the master. An instrument of righteousness. Flee the evil desires of youth. Pursue righteousness. And who's you're supposed to do that with? Through those who, all those who call on the name of the Lord, have a pure heart. Man, we need to be running with people who are going that direction. Rachel Scott, I looked it up as if they did a deal on her 20-year anniversary of her dying. And Rachel's challenge is still going around the world. They go into schools. Their mission statement, I think we may have it up there. Rachel's challenge addresses the root causes of school violence, bullying, prejudice, and self-harm through social-emotional learning programs that build connection, hope, and resilience. We improve school culture so that students are able to reach their full potential academically, socially, and emotionally. But according to Daryl Scott, this is in 2019, 28 million people had been reached through this. 150 suicides a year are prevented. They have actually stopped school shootings through this. fragrance and aroma, the ripple of a life favored that's unexplainable apart from Christ. Would you stand with me? Just have one. You guys, come on up. Thank you for being patient with me. I know we're a little long there, but hey, got to make room for my jokes. I didn't have them in my notes, okay? Right? <laughs> right? I don't know guys for me I think the biggest thing that drives me when I stop and ponder it and it has for 25 years or longer to help find a way for you to live in the fullness of what God has for you. That's all we're trying to do here. If you know him one. And just have opportunities to live into the fullness of it. I'm not saying you'll have a smile on your face every day. <laughs> and I'm sure not saying just as we saw the Scott family the tragedy is not part of the story. But Daryl Scott told me, he said an old man told him, or maybe it's Daryl when he was speaking in our church, he said an old man told him one time when he could not, could not grasp all that had happened to his daughter and why. And the old man said, Daryl, become a see-through or not a look at her. You got to go through it. Because going through it, God will use this.
here we are 20-something years later. If he'd have gone around it. So God has a plan for your life. And we want to be a part of a family that helps you go through it. And I don't know what that looks like for all of us. So if we come today as we close the series, this part of it, obviously it's just closing the chapter, not closing the book, right? This just may be a time to come around these altars. Man, has my life been changed around altars? I'm just telling you. And for some of you today, that first step of boldness, I'm like I said before I'm not trying to talk you into anything I depend on the spirit to draw but we're going to give you that opportunity I want to pray for us Josiah's going to lead us and I know it feels awkward coming down and nobody here and we should have probably some folks here they would come and lay a hand on and pray for you if you want them to but Lord we're just coming before you today believing your work was already being done before we got here the awakening and stirring we talk about and Circle number four, as we talk here, Lord, has already been happening. And I just pray today, Lord, that there may be a step of boldness for some to come and just lay it all down. To just lay it on an altar and say, Lord, I don't know what all this means. But this is my first step of boldness that may be an answer to someone else's. So, Lord, I come today praying over your people and I thank you that you've allowed me to be part of leading them that you would stir them to desire more than anything to live in the fullness of what you've called us to do we pray over this time we pray in your name Jesus Amen Josiah just leave it